Welcome to this week's episode of Making the Call. We've got a jam-packed, mostly football podcast in store for you this week. I'll have Rosie on here in a second to recap all the action from week four, get you ready for week five, and we've got a few other items on the docket for, for this week's episode. But before we get to the football portion of the podcast, we've got to talk about the Texas Rangers. The playoffs are here. The Rangers have secured a wild card spot. Uh, they unfortunately were not able to clinch the division after falling to the Mariners one to nothing on Sunday and just a very, very lackluster performance from them. But as much as it would have been nice to win the division, as much as it would have been nice to out duel the Astros and secure that division title for the first time since 2016, uh, they're in the playoffs. They, this is their first winning season since that 2016 season. Uh, last year, they they lost, uh, I think it was 100 games or almost 100 games. The turnaround that they have had is, is unbelievable and it deserves to be celebrated. I know Rangers fans, you can be upset at the fact that they lost the division, that they are only a wildcard team, that they will now be on the road against Tampa and could very well be out of this thing come Wednesday or Thursday, but they are in this thing for now, and that deserves to be celebrated. We have been through some dark times as Rangers fans uh, over these last six years. So what I would say before I get into kind of talking about this matchup against Tampa Bay is enjoy it. Enjoy the fact that you will be procrastinating at work because you're going to have the Rangers game up on your phone or, you know, on a separate window on your computer or whatever it is, uh, because you're watching playoff baseball. I, I still remember in that 2015 season, I think 2015 or 2016 season, they were in the playoffs. They were up against Toronto. And I remember being in the library at college And we had an entire room just filled with Rangers fans because they were playing the Blue Jays. It was an afternoon game similar to what the Rangers will be playing uh, this time around with Tampa Bay. And I was in there. Trent was in there. There were Rangers fans who him or I didn't even know, but they, they were there. There was a TV in that room. We had turned the TV on to the Rangers game, and we were all just standing there just watching it. And... It, it was a really cool memory because it's just, it's playoff baseball. And yeah, that series back in 2015 didn't end well. Uh, yeah, mo- you know, pretty much, you know, actually every single playoff series the or every single playoff run the Rangers have been a part of has not ended well because they've yet to win a world series. And as painful as that is, the fact that they're back in this thing, the fact that we've got winning baseball in Arlington again, the fact that we've got guys who are so easy to root for on this team, you can go up and down the lineup and you've got Corey Seager. You've got Marcus Simeon. You've got Josh Young. You've got Adolis Garcia. You've got the new kid, Evan Carter, who has come in and has immediately contributed in a pretty impressive way, more so than I think anyone could have possibly imagined. It's just really cool. Like it, I've been more engaged with this Rangers season this year than I probably have since 2016. And yeah, was I still watching Rangers games last year? Yeah, of course. Was I watching them the year before? Yes, of course. But I wasn't as locked in because the team wasn't very good. And now the team is good. Yes, they have holes. Yes, they might lose to Tampa Bay. 
but I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, I don't know if I said it publicly on the pod or not, or if it's just privately in, in conversations, but after Scherzer went down, all my expectations for this year ended. All I wanted, I just wanted them to make the playoffs. Like they had a division lead at that point. I just said, just, just figure out a way to get into the playoffs. Division would be great. Wild card is okay. Just get in the playoffs. Show us playoff baseball again. Anything after that is gravy. Really, this whole season has been gravy because it has far exceeded my expectations. And that's what they've done. So even if they get swept by Tampa Bay, this season was still a success. I hope you Rangers fans believe that as well and recognize that this season was was a success because if you look at the stats and you look at the fact that the Rangers have the most blown saves of any team in baseball and they have the most blown saves of any team in 40 years outside of, I believe it was the Arizona Diamondbacks in like 2015. And that Arizona Diamondbacks team lost more than 100 games. So the fact that this team won 90 games with a bullpen that has let them down time and time again as much as it has, it deserves to be recognized because that doesn't happen. Like they're literally defying the odds from even being in this conversation. So let's talk about this matchup against the Rays. Um, If I look at the stat comparisons, well, actually, before we get to that, so they'll play a best of three wildcard series in Tampa Bay. Games will be at 2.08 Central Time on Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Thursday, potentially, could the time could get moved, depending on how the other matchups go. Um, all three will be in Tampa. Probable pitchers. Game one, Tyler Glasnow versus Jordan Montgomery. Game two, Zach Eflin versus Nathan Yavaldi. Game three, Aaron Savale versus Dane Dunning. Uh, the only ones that are confirmed are Glasnow versus Montgomery in game one. Game two and three, that's likely what's going to happen, but obviously not confirmed yet. Hence the term probable. I'm I'm excited. Uh, let's let's talk about stack comparisons for these two teams. Offensively, these two teams are nearly identical. I wanted to look at when I'm comparing all these stats. I wanted to look at since August first. Um, I didn't want to look at the whole season because these teams are not the same teams they were in April, May, June, even July. Like, give me the last two months. What have you done for the last fifty to sixty games? Um, I think September still. I think September is probably too small of a sample size. Probably too recent. I think two months is probably that sweet spot. So I decided to make the cutoff August 1st. Offensively, let's look at some statistics. Weighted runs created plus. These are all from Fangraphs. Tampa, this is all in the American League. So out of the 15 teams in the American League. Weighted runs created plus. Tampa Bay first, Texas second. Offensive war, Tampa Bay first, Texas second. Weighted on base average, Texas first, Tampa Bay second. OPS, Texas first, Tampa Bay second. Uh, defensively Rangers are the best in the American league. Tampa Bay is eighth. The differences between these two teams lies in the pitching. Uh, if we use the same time frame since August 1st, starting pitcher rankings, FIP, which if you're not familiar with that is fielder adjusted, uh, fielder adjusted pitching. And it's uses the same kind of, uh, gauge as, as a ERA, excuse me. So the lower FIP, the better a pitcher you are, the lower FIP, the better pitching team you are. Uh, you kind of get, I mean, it's like ERA, so lower the better. So in FIP, Tampa Bay, starting pitchers only. Tampa Bay first, Texas sixth in the American League. Pitching war, Tampa Bay third, Texas fifth. Uh, 
think I said that for FIP. FIP was Tampa Bay first, Texas sixth, pitching war, Tampa Bay third, Texas fifth. Uh, case per nine inning, Tampa Bay first, Texas fifth. Now let's look at the relief pitchers. Let's look at the bullpen. Rangers fans, we know how our bullpen is. These are all American League rankings since August 1st. FIP, Tampa Bay first, Texas 12th. Pitching war, Tampa Bay first, Texas 12th. And Ks per nine, Tampa Bay first, Texas 8th. Tampa Bay is a better starting pitcher team, especially at this point in the year with no Scherzer, no Jacob deGrom, no John Gray. I mean, it's going to be Montgomery, Yavaldi, and Dunning. That's who it's going to be. And you feel good about Montgomery. You really don't feel great about the either about the other two. Relief pitchers, Tampa Bay is unbelievable as a bullpen. Uh, they've got a few former Rangers. Jake Diekman's in that bullpen. Pete Fairbanks was in that trade that the Rangers made to acquire uh, Nick Solak from Tampa Bay. So that one really hasn't worked out all that well. Uh, he's their closer and he's awesome. So their bullpen is great. Rangers bullpen is not. Their starting pitcher is pitchers are great. Rangers are pretty average. Um, that's how they stack up. I do think because of that, I would give the slight edge to Tampa Bay. Uh, Texas is a better defensive team. Texas and Tampa Bay are pretty tied offensively. Tampa Bay is a better pitching team. I would give the coaching edge with Bruce Bochy to the Rangers. So maybe you'd say these teams are pretty evenly matched. Uh, maybe you give a slight edge to Tampa Bay because they're going to be playing at home. It is worth noting that Texas is 5-0 and all-time in the playoffs in Tropicana Field. Uh, it's also worth noting that with those probable pitchers, T- Tampa is likely starting all righties. That means more Evan Carter and less Robbie Grossman. The way that they, the way that Bochy has handled those two is if it's a righty pitching, he starts Carter. If it's a lefty pitching, he starts Grossman. If it's going to be all righties, you can expect Carter to likely start all three of these games, which is great news because he has been awesome. Uh, he's arguably been one of the Rangers best hitters since he came up and also the, um, benefit that he gives you in the outfield is better than any other option at left field. I I believe that with my whole heart. Uh, other things to note, Marcus Simeon in that game one matchup against glass. Now he is four for nine with two home runs and five RBIs all time against glass now. And let's go back to those, those pitching rankings. I, I rattled off there. What that tells me is Rangers need to do damage before they get to the Rays bullpen. And they also need the starters to go deep into these games. It's kind of, you need the inverse to happen. Uh, if you're the Rangers, right? You need your starters to go deep and you need to get to their starters early, get runs on the board before they go to the bullpen, because you likely won't get many runs once they go to that bullpen. Cause it's that good. All right, predictions for this game, for this series. I think the Rangers can win it. I don't think it's a lock that either team wins. I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. If you go off of the series uh, or the season record between these two teams, Texas won the the uh, the season four to two, and their two series matchups. Uh, again, uh, some of those games were pretty early in the season, so I don't I don't put a lot of weight into that, but. I do think both teams can win. I think, honestly, the way that Texas wins this game is Montgomery throws a gem in game one. They take game one, and then Bochi and company just throw the kitchen sink at Tampa Bay in game two. I think if you go to game three, you're in trouble because by the time you get to game three, you will have used Chapman at least once, maybe twice. LeClerc at least once, maybe twice. Hernandez at least once, maybe twice, you kind of get where I'm going with this. They get to game three, 
the bullpen's going to be tired and the bullpen's already shaky. You've got to win this thing in two. You've got to take game one, get like seven good innings from Montgomery. You've got to get the offense going. That's the thing that scares me the most is I just rattled off the stats. Offensively, these two teams are identical, but we have seen this offense lay eggs from time to time. And that does worry me. So if the offense shows up, I do think the Rangers win this series. If it doesn't and it becomes a pitching matchup, then I don't see how they win it. They could get swept, to be completely honest with you. But I say all that to say I'm pumped for this series. Rangers fans, just enjoy it. Like, let's obviously let's try and win this thing. Like, I firmly believe that once you're in the playoffs, anything can happen. Anything. And if you want a little more hope, if you're a Rangers fan and you're looking at these pitching matchups, you're looking at the pitching stats. Or you just heard me rattle them off and you're like, okay, Andrew, give me, give me excited because I don't see how the Rangers win this. Um, the last time the Rangers made it to the World Series, 2011, they started that playoff run. And you guessed it, Tropicana Field, taking on Tampa Bay. That was a divisional series, obviously a little different. But if you believe in destiny, if you believe in, you know, Sports, poetry, sports gods, all that, all that stuff. There you go, man. Enjoy these playoffs. Go Rangers. All right. Joining me this week uh, to break down the NFL action, everything from week four, get you ready for week five, uh, plus a few other things. I've got Rosie with me again. It's him and I holding on the fort two weeks in a row. Rosie, did you have a uh, have a good weekend of football watching this past weekend? The football was fun. Uh, car breaking down, not so fun. Oh uh, no, what happened? <laughs> uh, fan broke, so I had to take it in. Uh, then I had a dermatology appointment, and they took out a mole. <laughs> Eventful weekend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, football right. was fun. <laughs> Lions won, but football so. was fun. All right. Uh, well, before we get into the football, as always, we're going to start with each of our uh, we still haven't come up with a catchy name for this one big story, one big headline, whatever. If you've got a name out there, send it to us, uh, at making the call one on all the socials, send it in the sub stack, whatever. Let us know what we should call this, uh, this opening segment that we do each week. Making uh, the topic. Making the topic. Okay. It's kind of bad, but I like it. It's kind of bad, but I kind of like it. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You go first. What's your one big story? Um, is CJ Stroud the best rookie quarterback at this point? Because, I mean, he's played the best, and Bryce Young, my favorite guy, has not played the best. And then there's Anthony Richardson, and I don't even know what you do about him because, like, he played great against the Rams. And we all thought he'd start out slow. So, like, what are your thoughts on that? I, I mean, it's hard not to be impressed with CJ Stroud. I feel like each week I expect for him to hit kind of the, the rookie quarterback speed bumps that it seems like everyone hits. And so far, he has not. He's avoided all of them. Uh, four straight weeks of 300 plus yards passing. He, I forget what his total is. It's like 1,270 yards or something. Um, see if I can pull it up. But through his first four, first four games, he is trailing only Cam Newton all time for the most passing yards in a quarterback's first four games and has yet to throw an interception. And usually when I feel like the interception thing, it can kind of be misleading 
because if you have a quarterback who doesn't throw any interceptions, then they're not taking enough chances and they're too conservative. They're, you know, like the Jimmy Garoppolo or like the Derek Carrs of the world, but that's not him. Like he is letting it fly. Like he's hitting these throws downfield. He's, he's moving out of the pocket and still, you know, finding guys and throwing darts. And, uh, I've just been, I've been so impressed with him. And honestly, I've been, uh, his passing yards is 1,212 is his total through four games, but it's, I can't say enough good things about him. And also, I mean, this Texans team, I'm impressed. Like they, I think they're frisky. Yeah. And uh, they're playing with probably the worst offensive line league because they're down five starters. And if you're familiar with football, you need five starters on the offensive line. (laughs) So I, the starters are usually better than the backups. Yeah. I, I didn't like Stroud coming out. I Ohio state quarterback and all that. And then I just didn't think that he did enough in his final year, except against Georgia to like impress me. And I may be wrong about him, but I will say their offensive coordinator. I feel like he is running the show right now. And CJ Stroud is the kind of quarterback that does exactly what is asked of him. And Mm -hmm. depending on how good the coordinator or the coach, that's how well he's going to do no matter what the circumstances are. So we'll see once they run into a tough defense, I kind of compare them to like the dolphins with Mike McDaniel, same Shanahan coaching tree. And I don't think two is all that, but he does exactly what you ask him to do. And that's good enough to be a good team in the NFL. Well, I will say to Stroud's credit, I mean, yes, he very well might just be operating the game plan very well, but it's not a conservative game plan. Like they're asking quite a bit from him, which you don't normally see with rookie quarterbacks. Usually teams with rookie quarterbacks try to protect them. Like I, the classic example for me that I always want to go back to is like Dak Prescott in his rookie season. They had an all pro offensive line. They had a stud rookie running back in Ezekiel Elliott, and they just said, okay, we're going to ease Dak into this, you know, being an NFL starter thing. We're going to lean on the run game. We're going to lean on the offensive line. We're going to make easy throws for him with Des Bryant and Jason Witten, and we're going to let, we're going to build his confidence. But I mean, like you said, he's doing it with no offensive line. He's doing it with, I mean, I like Tank Dell. I think he's nice. I think Nico Collins has shown to be pretty good, but. I wouldn't say either of them are prime Des Bryant or, you know, even a little bit past his prime Jason Witten. Like he's uh, not yet <laughs> at, in 2023. Yeah. Well, they, they already have past his prime Jason Witten in uh, Dalton Schultz. See, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> but I, I think past his prime Jason Witten is better than past his prime Dalton Schultz. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, then also s- like, I mean, Stroud, like what with what you're saying, he's talented and he can make all those throws that he's being asked of. Because he has like the arm talent and the legs and like he's just like if you were to build a quarterback in the lab, that would be him. And it's just his mind was what concerned me and other people that didn't like him in the draft. I feel like so much was made of that like test that yeah, he didn't the, score well <laughs> the cognition in. test. Yeah. And it's like, are we sure that that means a lot? Like can is is Stroud the outlier or is the test the outlier? Because the pro- the test probably means nothing, but I think what I'm getting at is Bobby Slowick is the mind. 
the offensive we, coordinator. Yeah, the offensive coordinator for the for the Texans. It's like we're we're into October, so Halloween's coming up. It's like Frankenstein. Like you you take CJ Stroud's brain out of his head and you put Bobby Slowicks <laughs> in there, and then you get a great quarterback. So we'll see how yeah. how it goes after this. I've been, I've been impressed by him for sure. Um, all right, my one big story before we get into the other kind of takeaways from Week Four. It's not baseball related, and it is a fact that the baseball playoffs are here. Uh, I won't spend a ton of time on it because you've already heard the opening segment uh, covering the Rangers uh, wild card matchup against the Tampa Bay Rays at this point. But I'll just say that I'm I'm so excited we've got playoff baseball back in back in Texas, uh, back in the the true team of Texas, the Rangers. Right? We're not talking about you know that that smelly team down in the armpit, but. Uh, it's just really cool. Rangers went from six straight years of a losing season to a 90 wins um, or 89 or 90 win season this year. And it's just fun to have playoff basketball again. So I, it's, that's my big takeaway. I know they, they, their game is today when you're listening to this Tuesday at two Oh eight central time, I'll be locked in for all these games. I hope you will be too. Uh, they'll be on ABC. So if you don't have you know, Bally sports or whatever, you'll be able to watch it. Cause now we're in the playoffs. So uh, that's my, my, that's my one big, uh, my one big story this week. All right, let's turn our attention to week four. Uh, we each have some takeaways, just some things that we've come out of this week. Just thinking about, uh, would you like to go first, Mr. Rosie? No, no. Okay. Yeah, I, I want you to heat us up. Okay. All right. I wasn't prepared to go first. Let's, let's, take a look oh, at I my can, list. I can, no, no, no. I, no, I can, I, I can go. It's okay. I can go. Um, I'll start with, I'll start with this. I think that we might see some historic levels of tanking this season. Really? Yes. Cause I look at, I look at the league through four weeks. Here are the teams that are, have one or zero wins. Four weeks in the season. At one and three, you've got the Patriots, the Vikings, the Jets, the Raiders, the Cardinals, Bengals, and Broncos. At one and two, you have the Giants. They're playing right now Monday night at the time of us recording this podcast. And then at 0 and four, you've got the Bears and the Panthers, and the Bears own the Panthers pick. So if the season ended today, the Bears would have the first and second overall pick. I think of these teams, the teams that could be selecting a quarterback in next year's draft, I'll say the Bears. The Patriots, the Vikings, the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Broncos, and maybe the Giants. If it doesn't go well. If they're bad enough, yeah. If they're really bad, maybe the Giants. I don't think they're completely sold on Daniel Jones, even though they just gave him that big contract. I think the Bengals obviously aren't going to be taking a quarterback. I think the Panthers, well, they won't have their pick, so they can't be taking a quarterback. Uh, everyone else, I think, is is on the table. And you look at this draft class, and we've got Caleb Williams, we've got Drake May, we've got Quinn Ewers, we've got Michael Penix Jr., we've got Bo Nix, just to name a few. I think some of those teams that are one and three, zero oh and four, by the time we get to like, let's just give it like two more weeks. I think by the time as by the time we get through six weeks of the season, any team who's like two and four or one and five or zero oh and six. You're going to see them be there's. I think there's going to be more sellers at the trade deadline. Because normally at the in the NFL you don't get a lot of trade deadline activity, but I think you will this year because everyone's going to be vying for one of those top quarterbacks. Okay, I 
I see that. You're talking about this from like a trade perspective, not that teams are actually tanking. Cause like, I, I think one of my takeaways has been like this, this whole season has been like, I'm not sure there's like a bad team in the NFL right now. Like maybe the Panthers, but that's I it. Would like put, every team I would put the something. Bears and the Broncos. Yeah, I mean the Bears have been bad, but like I feel like they could step into any game and win it. And then Broncos, same with them. I mean Russell Wilson hasn't been playing bad, so it's just their defense has been historically bad. Yeah. So. I, I'm excited because there's so many like fun quarterbacks coming out. Um, Michael Penix, Caleb Williams, Drake May. Mm-hmm. I I'm excited to see where they go. Um, yeah, I just think I part of this, and if you're if you're okay with this, I think I might smuggle in one of my other takeaways here. Um, it, but it kind of fits into this discussion, so I think it makes sense. But the the take that I want to smuggle in here is that I think four weeks in, only six teams can realistically win the Super Bowl. Interesting. So you think there's a pretty packed bottom, pretty packed top? I think I think you have I think you have three teams in both conferences. I think in the NFC, it's the Niners, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. Mm. <laughs> I you're going to get actually. To my you know takeaways. what? <laughs> Hold on. I know I know what that laugh was for. Um, I'll say seven. I'll say seven. I'll say I think there's seven teams. I'll throw the Lions in there in the NFC. And then in the AFC, I really think it's only the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Dolphins. I don't like what we've seen from Cincinnati. I think Joe Burrow is hurt, and he's not going to get better. So I think you have those seven teams and I honestly think there's a ton of teams that are right in the middle that are kind of like to, to call back to our team tier discussion when we were previewing the season, the Kings of mid, there's like tons of Kings of mid, like every, every, like there's tons of kingdoms just all over the place, all over the world. And they're all the Kings of mid. <laughs> and I think some of these teams, they're going to look at themselves in the mirror after six or seven weeks. And they're going to be like, Okay, can we win the Super Bowl this year? No. Okay. Um, would we like to have a shot at a Caleb Williams or a Drake May or a Quinn Ewers? Yeah, because we have uncertainty at quarterback. We've got, you know, Derek Carr rolling out there. We've got Jimmy Garoppolo rolling out there. Like, how about we try and set ourselves up for the future? And I think you're going to see some some teardowns midseason to try and make that happen. I hope so. I wish the NFL played like we play Dynasty Fantasy Football. Just, oh, I'm playing bad. All right. Everyone's gone. I'm trying to yeah. tank. But unfortunately, I don't think actual NFL teams do that because people are playing for their jobs, including the coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I think a couple cases is you're going to see the Raiders probably trade Devontae Adams. He might be the I first see that. chip to fall. Um I could see that. Yeah. I, I I wonder, this would be, I think this would be pretty fun, but imagine if it was like, uh, well, really the other three sports now at this point, if there was a draft lottery in the NFL. So it wasn't just if you had the worst record, you got the first overall pick. Like, obviously you had the best odds, but 
I think you would you would see more of that kind of dynasty mentality you're talking about where teams are like, no, wait, how do we get how do we get higher odds? How do we get like to be like the seventh worst team to have better odds than if we were like the ninth or the tenth worst team and just missed the playoffs because it would give us a chance at getting one of these generational talents at quarterback. I feel like that would make things a little bit worse. You think so? I don't know. I feel like because then it's just like, well, I'm not even guaranteed a, uh, the number one overall pick. So why why don't I keep all these players like DJ Moore or Justin Fields or whatever? Yeah, yeah, okay, potentially. But it, anyways, that's that's my first takeaway. What's yours? So kind of playing off of what you were saying about the AFC, I think the Dolphins are a good, not great team. Oh, come on, man. I I said last week that I needed to see them play against a good defense and that this was going to be my litmus test for them, uh, whether I want to hype them up or not. And... They got shut down. Like, the Bills have a really good defense. They're not the best, though. Like, there's better defenses out there, and if the Bills can shut them down and run up the score on the Dolphins' defense, I'm not sure if they're there. Like, I think mm. they can take it to any team, like, any given week, but I'm I'm not putting them with the Bills or the Chiefs. Like, they're not taking the Bengals spot, in my mind. They just don't have enough pieces. And I'm not sure if Tua is going to air it out like Josh Allen can. So after just one game against Buffalo in Buffalo, you're ready to say they're a good, not great team. Yes, because I think everyone was saying that they're a Super Bowl contender after scoring 70 points against. I mean, this they still has are. to be a, they still historically, are a Super Bowl contender. They're going to be in the playoffs for sure. Um, I just don't think that they have enough pieces. I'm not sure their offensive line is good enough. I think if Tyreek and Waddle are getting slowed down like they were against the Bills, like they're going to have issues because Tua can't create on his own. He can't throw it to other people. He has to rely on those guys to have really great run after the catch. Yeah, I just I disagree. Like I think that was a division game and the bill or the dolphins were coming off a high of dropping 70 on Denver and the bills, their mindset was, okay, all this talk about is about Miami. So we're going to go punch them in the mouth. And I don't think like, I think that the kind of difference in mentality is real. Like you can't manufacture that. And you could totally see the dolphins kind of just living off their high that week after the beatdown of Denver. And I mean, I, I'm not sure gonna, that matters, man. <laughs> I think it, I think I, it did. That stuff. I think it did. And I think when they go and play in Miami, uh, what's that week 18? I mean, it's still a toss up game. I think these two teams are pretty evenly matched. So if you think the bills are contenders, I think the dolphins are also contenders. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think they're just a step below. I think they're with the Ravens and uh, I guess Bengals still. Okay. Uh, well, let's talk about the Bengals then. Uh, my next takeaway is I know they started slow last year, 
but I'm extremely concerned about the Bengals because Joe Burrow is clearly hurt and now they're one in three and they don't have time for him to get healthy for him to get right like this this I don't think this was handled well his injury like not at all you go look at his stats he has the fourth worst adjusted EPA per play among quarterbacks he's ahead of only Kenny Pickett Bryce Young and Zach Wilson through four weeks the Bengals offense as a whole has the fourth worst success rate ahead of only the Titans, Steelers, and Jets. And they've got two more home or they've got two more games next week at the Cardinals and then the week following home versus Seahawks. And then they have their bye week in week seven. And I honestly, if I'm the Bengals, I'm resting Joe Burrow until after the bye week. Because immediately following the bye week, they're po- they uh, take on the 49ers, the Bills, the Texans, and the Ravens. That's their next four games after that week seven bye. And if you're the Bengals, I think you give Joe Burrow these two weeks off, really three weeks with the bye, and you see if you can maybe go one and one against the, the Cardinals and the Seahawks. And then you're two and four with hopefully a healthy Joe Burrow coming out of the bye week and trying to make some noise to get into the playoffs because... If they just keep doing this week by week thing, it's it's not going to heal and they're going to continue the struggle and they're going to be the, you know, this is going to be the year from hell team that we have every year. Yeah, I, the offensive line is going to kill them. Like, <laughs> they don't have a running game. They, they can't rely on anything else but Joe Burrow and now T. Higgins has cracked ribs. So you got to rest until the bye like, to have any shot at this. You, you have to rest them and like rely on your defense. Um, but I'm, I'm not even sure that's going to get it done. He has an average depth of target of like six yards right now. <laughs> that's not is, good. <laughs> it's horrible. Like you, you, you can't run an offense like that. So I completely agree with you. I mean, losing to the Titans as well. Like the Titans aren't some juggernaut that should be putting up 27 points Mm -hmm. on the Bengals. And they have one of the worst pass defenses in the league. Like the rush defense is really great, but their pass defense is one of the worst in the league. And you have Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and you put up three points. That's just, you you can't do that. You might as well just sit them till the bye week and maybe get a high draft pick. Yeah, I it just I think if you don't sit him now to let him get healthy, then you're right, they're gonna have a high draft pick because it's he, it's not ever gonna get right. And I mentioned that four week stretch after the bye. I mean, with this version of Joe Burrow in this offense, going up against the 49ers, Bills, Texans, and Ravens, they'll be lucky to be one and three in that four week stretch. That's like best case scenario. Absolutely. And so let's say they go one and one over these next two and then you're one and three. And now you're talking about a team who's, what would that be? Three and seven, 10 weeks into the season. You're not making the playoffs at three and seven. Yeah, probably like, not. You in the AFC, they probably have to run the table at that point. Just rattle off yeah. seven straight wins. Absolutely. And I'd rather have a shot at that with Joe Burrow being healthy mm-hmm. than putting him through like getting hurt right now. <laughs> Cause Absolutely. I, I think that's a better opportunity for them. 
Absolutely. So that's my big takeaway is they need to rest him now before the season gets past the point of no return because they're getting awfully close to that. Yep. All right. What's your next one? You got to put the Lions at the top of the NFC. Among the top? The, uh, among the big boys. Okay. Top it. tier. Top yeah, tier. Top okay. tier. Top tier. I thought you were about to put them above the Niners and I've mm. not yet. I, I still need to see some things. Jamison Williams is finally coming back next week. And in order for the Lions to be a Super Bowl contender, I think Jamison Williams needs to be a star. And if he is, then I think they will be the top. I, I think it all hinges on him. But they came into the Packers house and completely destroyed them. I kind of thought that that was going to happen just because the Lions are a much better team top to bottom. But in the back of my mind, there's always like the Packers have always had our, our cheeks. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So getting to exercise this and like the Lions lost to the Seahawks in overtime. I don't think the Seahawks are a bad team. Like if that's going to be your biggest um, black eye of the season, I'll take that. So uh, the defense, the lions deserve credit because they've been, they've already, they've gone on the road to both green Bay and Kansas city and walked away with wins, which is hard to do. Um, And I'm looking at their schedule. I mean, they've, I would say their schedule is, is probably average, from a difficulty standpoint, the rest of the way, tough games. Um, honestly, I'll, I'll say at the Buccaneers as a tough game because the Bucs have surprised me this year. They're, they're a decent team. Uh, so they go at the Bucs, at the Ravens, um, at the Chargers. Obviously, they'll play the Packers again. Um, and then their final three weeks of the season is Vikings, Cowboys, Vikings. So... You've got the Bears mixed in there. You've got the Saints, the Broncos, the Raiders, Panthers. They're a good team. Yeah, they're they they are a good team, and they seem very well rounded. Um, I think the defense has. I'll say the defense hasn't hurt them yet to this point. I wouldn't put their defense in like the top tier of of defenses in the league, but you don't need a top three or four defense to win a Super Bowl. You you really need probably top 10 in both categories to win a Super Bowl, I would say, at the at the minimum. But uh yeah, I'd say they belong in in that top tier. Personally, I would I would say if I'm ranking the NFC, I would put the 49ers in a tier of their own. And then I would have a tier beneath the 49ers that's Cowboys, Lions, Eagles. That's how I would do it. Yeah, I'm uh... Honestly, I feel like the defense has been the best part of the line so far. They have held um, the Chiefs, Seahawks, um, gosh, Packers, and Falcons. Falcons. All pretty good running teams, I will say, to just over 260 yards in total. I'm going to pull up their, keep talking, I'm going to pull up their EPA stats, the Lions defense, see where they rank among the NFL. I'm pretty sure it might be top five. And it's because like all these young pieces like Brian Branch and Aiden Hutchinson are just balling right now. 
And I, I think they have room to improve because they brought in a bunch of new pieces and those pieces still have to mesh together. And if like they're struggling a little bit against the pass, but you get Emmanuel Mosley, their second cornerback, they may they might be able to shut that down too. So it's like the Lions might have a top five offense and defense. I mean, we'll see. I, it's still early. But. Yeah, still early. Through four weeks, EPA per play, the Lions defense is eighth in the NFL. Uh, what's funny is they're right above the Niners. The Niners are ninth, uh, which is a little surprising. But yeah. uh, if you look at rush EPA, you talked about their run defense. They are 10th pass defense. Uh, they are ninth. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, that top 10 defense. Um, and that's EPA stats going up against the Chiefs in week one. Like, it's not like they, it's not like they have done that going up against the Broncos, the Bears, the Raiders, and the, you know, Giants or something. Like, they, they've gone Almost up against all of whom they're going to play. <laughs> yeah, eventually, eventually. But all those, you know, so will everyone else. All those things kind of iron themselves out. But yeah, um, I'm, I no, mean, I, I'm not going to pick them to lose. Um, talk to me again when we get to the Cowboys game. But I'm not going to pick them to lose. So no, we can't talk about the Lions until like week 16. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> or I don't know, week 17, actually. No more hype. <laughs> I will say if they if they go into Baltimore in three weeks and win there because. Baltimore's defense is also really good. And I mean, granted they were going up against, you know, DTR and the Browns, but still I think most people would look at Baltimore and say that that's a good defense. So if they go into Baltimore and walk out with a win there, and then they've got road wins against the chiefs, the Ravens and the Packers. That's, that's an impressive resume. So let's, let's revisit that in three weeks and, and see how they do against Baltimore. Perfect. All right. My next takeaway, uh, I'll, I'll, this is kind of two takeaways because it's about the same game. So the first one is go ahead and add Mac Jones to the list of QBs who don't have long-term starter potential. Nope. Golly, he was bad. <laughs> he was awful. There was, I think it took all of like two minutes for me to just completely relax about that game and just think, okay, all right, this game's in hand. I don't have to worry about it. Like Mac Jones is not beating the Cowboys. Mac Jones is not going to, is not going to go up and down the field on this defense. And yes, it's a Cowboys defense, but he looked bad. And I mentioned them in, in my first takeaway. I think the Patriots are drafting a quarterback in April. And I if they're agree. not, they're they making a mistake. To. Yeah. There's going to be, I mean, it's hard to say that Bill Belichick is going to be a top five worst team in the league, (laughs) you know? Uh, They're going to have to draft someone, and I'm not even sure, like, if you, we can bring it to this conversation, but, like, will Bill Belichick want to rebuild again? Like, is he willing to do that? Has he, has he lost his fastball? Yeah, I, th- I think he's aged out of the league, to be honest. Like, this isn't a defensive league anymore. Y- you don't win like that. You win with high-powered Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen offenses. Or, or, like, the Shanahan tree. Like, 
great run games, schemed up guys. And I don't think Belichick does any of that. Yeah. I think with him, it's the fact that he's the head coach and he's the GM. Like he makes all the draft decisions too. Yeah. That's not how, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think any other team operates that way. No, I don't don't think so. They haven't, they haven't been a good drafting team in like six years. Like they've had some good ones. Like Christian Gonzalez looks like a stud. That looks like a great pick. That was a great pick. But outside of him, like who's their best pick of the last six years? I mean, think about the, some of the guys that they've drafted. Like Jacoby Myers, is that making you excited? He might have been undrafted. Okay, Sony Michelle, <laughs> you getting excited yeah, about that? Not. So, I think it's they need someone to just handle the draft and just like the talent acquisition part of because then if you if you loop in free agency with it, like okay, they went out and they gave big money to Hunter Henry and Johnu Smith and. They got a bunch of receivers who can't get separation. They got Juju Smith-Schuster. Like that, they, they, I mean, they have a real talent deficiency problem, which you even whenever, I mean, take Brady out of it. Like that was never the case for the Patriots of old. Like they always had playmakers. They always had guys on, on both sides of the field. There were, were a couple Tom Brady used it. There yeah. were a couple here and there, but over like the 20 year run, like. I mean, they had Gronk, they had Edelman, they had um, Wes Walker. They would go out and trade for Randy Moss. Like they had superstars, right? Yeah. And it just seems like a team, like, is any team scared to play the Patriots anymore? No, not even the defense. Like, yeah. So I, I think the writing was on the wall when they hired a combination of Matt Patricia and Joe judge as their offensive coordinators last year. (laughs) Yep. Like that, that should tell you a lot of things and it turned out exactly how you would think it would. Yeah. So, um, on the flip side of that game, Cowboys got the bounce back game they needed. And, you know, they had a a stinker of a game last week against the Cardinals. We kind of all expected them to, to come back pretty strong. This week, this was kind of the get right game because next week we'll we'll talk about it when we get to week five. Cowboys 49ers is, oh boy, that's going to be a game. Uh, Very excited for that one. I I feel like we're going to learn a lot about both of these teams. Yep. So uh, needless to say, I enjoyed the the Cowboys Patriots game. Um, I saw our, uh, our good friend Colt, who's a Patriots fan, was in attendance in person. For the Cowboys Pats game, his wife's a Cowboys fan, and she posted a picture of the two of them. And I just, I've, <laughs> I, I really felt bad for him because he had to watch that beatdown in person, which is tough. So sorry, buddy. Him and uh, Zeke were stewing on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Colt probably could have made some better reads than Mac Jones did in that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've seen him flag football. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, see, there you go, Red Rocket. Um. <laughs> <laughs> all right do you have any more uh week four takeaways oh let me see i want to talk about herbert a little bit okay just because he's so good <laughs> like that last play of the game to josh palmer 
on third down when they w- would have had to punt the ball, and he throws a 50-yard dart with an injured hand right into the arms of Josh Palmer. Like, that is just... He amazes me. He really does. He's, he's fantastic. He is... He's taken a he's taken he's leveled up this season. Absolutely. This is the best we've seen of him. And he just looks in complete control every single play. Um he's airing it out, which we all hoped would be the case when Kellen Moore got there. Uh he's six in the league in air yards uh, at eight point eight. So he just you as a Herbert believer. You know, one of the one of the bigger Herbert guys that I know. I'm sure you've you've enjoyed seeing this. Cashing uh, in my but, chips for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's been impressive, man. It has really been impressive. Well then can we talk about another guy who's been impressive? I mean, not been impressive, like last night he was impressive in Zach Wilson. He was. He was really good. <laughs> I mean yeah. uh we were texting in the group and I think you you asked uh you asked us if like Zach Wilson was actually good and Austin straight up. No. <laughs> and then he no, said, it was oh, the wait. flip. It was the flip. Oh, Austin was... was like, is Zach Wilson good? And I just responded. No, Oh, that was you that said no. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he said, well, good. maybe he's still not know, good, man. He, a, a broken clock is right twice a day. He's, he's, he's not, a, he's not a, he's not a good NFL quarterback. He had a good game. I'll give him credit. He had a good game, but. I mean, his issue has always been seeing it and like not being able to make the right reads and not getting the ball out fast enough and having to take everything outside the pocket to make any sort of play. And I just feel like maybe with Aaron Rodgers there showing him what to do, that can like it because it's a mental thing with Zach Wilson. It's not a physical thing. He has all the physical tools. Um maybe he can progress as a mental quarterback. Maybe I just, I feel like he's gotten plenty of opportunities and at some point you kind of are who you are. So I, I, I you won't see me. You're not a believer. Zach I'm not a believer. No, he had a good game and I think it, it kind of ends there for me. So, um, one final takeaway from me, uh, the the Eagles are the most fraudulent 4-0 team. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> they have gotten so lucky. Like they have not looked good in any of these four games. And it's it's infuriating that they are 4-0 because they really should be like 2-2, two two, I would say, through these four games. The, the fact that they let the commanders take them to overtime was unbelievable. And they're just... <sighs> I'm telling you, man, they're going to get to that stretch. Well, I mean, they've got the Rams this week, uh, which Rams are scrappy. Then they'll play the Jets. They'll beat the Jets. And then they've got a stretch where it's Dolphins at Commanders, Cowboys, Chiefs, Bills, 49ers, Cowboys, Seahawks. Like they're going to they're going to rack up some losses there. I know they will. And I think I'll be beating my drum about this until the end of the season. And. They're four and zero, so my my take about them missing the playoffs it's going to end up being wrong because it's hard to go four and zero and miss the playoffs. But uh, I feel like I have to put them in the top tier of the NFC because you know it's the Eagles and it 
they're four and oh, but I just don't want to. I just don't think they I, I think the Niners and the Cowboys and even the Lions, I think all three of those teams are better than the Eagles are. I don't think there's some unbeatable team like they were last year. They've definitely taken a step back from that. I do think last week says more about the commanders than it does about the Eagles. Cause I think the commanders just like Sam Howell's a baller. <laughs> I love Sam Howell. He, he reminds me a lot of like good Baker. Mm. Um, and the commanders are a scrappy team. It's just the, the Eagles, they, their secondary has been injured. They are missing both safeties and their slot corner. So like you can, you can throw the ball against them, but I mean, they have AJ Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard and the best offensive line in the league. And Swift is playing his butt off. Uh, that's enough to be a, a top team and not a fraud. Yeah. But if you're talking about how their secondary is shaky, like think about who they're going to have to go through in the NFC. Like they're going to have to go through the Cowboys who have CeeDee Lamb and Brandon Cooks. They're going to have to go through the 49ers who have Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey. They're going to have to go through the Lions who have Amon Ross St. Brown and uh, Sam Laporta, who's like apparently the second coming of Gronk. I mean, oh my gosh. Uh, maybe Jamison Williams. Like they're... I this This team... And you, you talk about their injuries. Like that was always one of my things about why I thought they were going to regress is that they were healthy all of last year outside of, you know, like the last two weeks of the season when this in the season was pretty much wrapped up at that point, like teams get injured. Like every single team can play the injury card. The Cowboys just lost Trayvon Dix for the entire season. Like every team can list off guys that they've lost and it's, they've been very healthy. And honestly on the offense, like they haven't really lost anyone. Um, yeah, so you're right about that, but I mean, they're still a really good team, top to bottom. Like, I don't know. I, I still think they are very capable of beating anyone, and including the 49ers. I don't. I think the 49ers might kind of be what you're talking about as well. We'll see. So, uh, anything else from Week Four? Nope. Okay. Uh, before we get into the rest of the podcast, let me tell you about our friends over at Liquid IV. Um, we love Liquid IV over here. We love their hydration multipliers. It's just the best way to, if you need a quick hydration, like Liquid IV is the answer. If you're waking up on a, on a Saturday or Sunday morning and you're feeling a little dehydrated, you've got a headache or something, like pop a Liquid IV in and you're going to be feeling great in no time. Like Rosie's shaking his little shaker right now. He's, he's been drinking some throughout the podcast and that shows how much we like it. I've got the bag sitting right behind me on the, on the bookshelf. Uh, My wife needed one on Sunday. We were getting ready to go to church. She's like, Hey, you mind if I have a liquid IV and she goes to look into it? She's like, Oh, I'm, I'm taking your last one. I was like, Oh, don't worry about it. Like I need to order more anyways. Like, please take one. So I'll be ordering some more and you can betcha that whenever I go to order more liquid IV, I'm going to be using code MTC at liquidiv.com. Oh, of course uh, liquid, you are. Of course I will. <laughs> 20% off. I mean, if I'm if I'm telling our listeners to do it, you know I'm going to do it as well. Absolutely. Liquid IV is amazing. It hydrates you twice as fast as water alone, has three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. And you can go try Liquid IV to get today and get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code MTC at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code MTC at liquidiv.com. All right, before we 
get into week five. So we posted these on social media before uh, the season started. And we each five, all five of us, we predicted the the playoff seating for the NFC and the AFC before the season started. And we posted that. We we got a lot of people telling us, you know, so-and-so was was dumb. Like, I don't know what they were thinking. I got quite a bit of hate for not having the Eagles in the playoffs and, and engaged in some good, you know, healthy internet debates, which, you know, are always fruitful. Um, but we decided that throughout the season, every four weeks, we're going to make one change. We're going to cheat. Our, not cheat, but just, you know. Tweak. Tweak. Exactly. Because we're not changing the whole thing. Like right. you got it at the end of the day, you got to stand by most of what you did. Um, and so every four weeks, we're going to, we're going to each be allowed to make one change to our list. And as you'll notice, Trent, Alex and Austin are not here, but I had them text their changes to me beforehand. Uh, so we can go ahead and hit on those real quick. And then Rosie and I can get into talking about ours. Uh, so Trent to recap, his NFC, this is in order, and so we we did it the way that the NFL is going to do it. So the top four seeds are all the division winners. Five, six, and seven are the wildcard teams in order. So Trent in the NFC had 49ers, Eagles, Falcons, Packers, and then Seahawks, Vikings, Giants. And in the AFC, he had the Chiefs, Bills, Jaguars, Bengals, Dolphins, Ravens, Steelers. And he said that his one change is he is swapping the Giants out as the seventh wildcard team and replacing them with Dallas. And so Giants are not making the playoffs, according to Trent now, and instead the Cowboys are. And so we will move over to Alex. Alex, uh, his NFC playoff prediction was Eagles, Seahawks, Lions, Saints, Cowboys, 49ers, Vikings. And then the AFC, he had Chiefs, Bills, Ravens, Jaguars, Bengals, Dolphins, Jets. And his one swap is he is swapping the Saints out as the NFC South winner and replacing them with his guy, Baker Mayfield, and the Buccaneers. And then finally, going over to Austin. Let me go find Austin's text here real quick. Um, he is... So his NFC was Eagles, 49ers, Lions, Saints, Cowboys, Seahawks, Vikings. AFC was Chiefs, Bengals, Bills, Jaguars, Ravens, Jets, Steelers. And he is replacing the Jets as the sixth seed with the Miami Dolphins. And so now I turn it over to Rosie. What is your one change that you would like to make? Oh, you're going to read mine first? I'll read yours, yeah. So NFC, you had Eagles, Lions, Seahawks, Panthers, and then Packers, Cowboys, Giants. And then the AFC, you had Chiefs, Bills, Bengals, Titans, Steelers, Jets, Jaguars. Oh, there's so much I want to change. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think you like... You read the first three of uh, Eagles, Lions, Seahawks, and I, I still like that. Panthers might be the worst team in the NFL. I thought Bryce Young could overcome having nothing on offense, mm. and I don't think that his coach is putting him in the best position because he's, he's making every throw. He's just, there's nowhere to throw it. And so he's taking sacks. He's small, so he's fumbling a lot. Um, their defense has been injured and not playing up to expectations. So, like, they might be 
picking number one. Oh, no, they won't. <laughs> the yeah, Bears will no, be picking won't. number one <laughs> overall for them. So I think there are probably some other teams that are out of the playoffs in my playoff picture right now. I have to put the Bucks over the Panthers, I think. And I, I think also when we were talking about it, it was more of a, the Saints aren't going to win this division. The Saints stink. And I still think that because they have not played well. Um, and the Bucks just absolutely destroyed. And we, we didn't get a chance to talk about that game, but I think the Bucks are the clear favorite in this division. I think they look good. I agree with you. So you're you're putting the Bucks in as the division winner over the Panthers. That's yep. your change. Okay. All right. So over to me. So I had in the NFC the 49ers, Cowboys, Vikings, Saints, Lions, Packers, Giants. And then in the AFC, I had the Chiefs, Jets, Jaguars, Ravens, Dolphins, Bengals, Steelers. Okay. There's a clear choice here. <laughs> I think there's two. And I don't know which one to do. I probably know which one you're thinking of, and that is the Vikings winning the division. I should replace that with the Lions. No. But, oh, okay. You got the Lions in the playoffs. There's one team you don't have in the playoffs that the should be winning the division. Yes. The Bills. Yes. Okay. That's that's what I'm thinking, too. I think I'm going to take the Jets out as the two seed, the division winner in the, in the East, and replace them with the Bills. Uh, there are some other things I would obviously like to change. Um I don't think the Steelers are going to make the playoffs, for example, even though four out of the five of us have the Steelers in the playoffs. But I will have to wait four weeks to potentially do that or something else. So I am removing the Jets from the playoffs because, as we just got done talking about, I do not think Zach Wilson is a good quarterback. This is a little bit unfair because you didn't know that Aaron Rodgers was going to tear his Achilles. Yeah, I, I think if Aaron Rodgers was still healthy, it would be a three-team race in that division. I mean, the Jets did beat the <laughs> Bills. They did before. beat the Bills. Yeah, they have. Yeah, they've got the head-to-head right now. <laughs> Absolutely, only only team to beat the Bills this year. People forget. So, all right, that's our update to the playoffs. We'll revisit that after Week Eight. Uh, see what else uh, we want to um, want to change. So, let's turn our attention to Week Five. We're just going to go back and forth, talk about the games from week five that we are most excited for. And I think there's a clear choice, but me being the gracious host that I am, I will let you go first. There absolutely is a clear choice. And me being the gracious, not host that I am, I'm going to let you have it. <laughs> You're going to let me have the uh, the Cowboys 49ers? I am, yeah. Um, uh, but let's talk about Chiefs Vikings. I'm really excited for that game because I think that's going to be a fun shootout um, between two teams that need to bounce back on the season. Like they're in they're in two different places and being one and three and, and three and one. But last week the Chiefs did not look good, so this is a great comeback game against the Vikings defense that has not looked good either. So. Chiefs Vikings is a good one. Um, I I wrote about this in the in the Substack, which I'll be honest, you know, I've had I've had some some bold takes and I've had some pretty mild takes. And having one of the things that I was watching for in week four be 
surely the Vikings won't start 0-4. Not that hot, right? They were going up against the Panthers. But I'm not ready to quit this Vikings team. Like, are they going to beat the Chiefs? Probably not. Could they beat the Chiefs? Yes. They could. I mean, Taylor Swift will probably be in attendance. And she'll see, she'll see Kirk Cousins and she'll be like, now that is a family man. That is, that is who <laughs> I hope Travis Kelsey can become. If I, if I want to have a life with this guy, I, I want him to be more like Kirk. She's going to, she's going to see him and she's going to like say something. And like Blake Lively is going to lean over and be like, well, did you see him in that quarterback documentary on Netflix? He was unbelievable. You need to go watch that. So, well, and Kirk Cousins isn't a uh, pharmaceutical shill. So, Easy. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> Anyways, um, I think it's going to be a good game. I think that's a good pick. Thank you. Um, before we move on to the next one, I, I feel like we didn't spend enough time on the on the Cowboys Niners. I mean, we didn't spend any time on them. <laughs> we didn't spend any time on them. Exactly. Like Niners are three and a half points at home or three and a half point favorites at home. Uh, which basically means that Vegas thinks that they're about, you know, one and a half, two point favorite on a neutral site is how that reads to me. Um, how is Brock Purdy going to handle the the Cowboys pass rush? Is Micah Parsons okay? Yeah, he'll be fine. Okay. I, I didn't, I saw him go out of the game and then I never heard anything. So I just assumed he was yeah, fine. And he, and he came right. I mean, he came back in like the next drive. Oh, he did? Okay. Yeah, he did. Um, he... I feel like he does that about four or five times a season where someone like steps on his ankle. He kind of hobbles off. They like retape it, shoot him up with some, you know, pain meds and he's back in. Um, I think you just get stepped on when you're bending that way and you're rushing the passer as much as he is. Tends to happen. Yeah. So he'll be fine. Uh, between him and Bosa, I mean, this is going to be quite the pass rush clinic. And... Um, it's just, I, okay. So the, I want, I was trying to find the stat. I was trying to stall there for a second. So ESPN tracks, they're probably not the only ones you do, but pass rush win rate. Are you familiar? Oh yeah. Okay. So of edge rushers in the NFL, uh, there is only one player who has been double teamed more than Micah Parsons. And that's actually Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa has been double teamed. 37% 37% of the time. Micah Parsons has been double teamed 33% of the time. Do you know the difference between both Nick Bosa and Micah Parsons pass rush win rate is? Is it like two or 3%? Uh, so on the double team, it was a 4% difference. Nick Bosa has a win rate of 22%. Micah Parsons is at 40 Wow. 40%. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a drastic difference between two elite pass rushers. And, man, yeah. I think he leads the league in pressures along with Aiden Hutchinson as well. He, he's just like, he's he's crazy, man. Like, I, it's, you know, for me, the test of like a good defensive player, like especially a good like edge rusher or something, is if I'm watching you and I'm not watching the quarterback. If like when the ball is snapped, I'm just watching you to see what you're going to do because I know you're going to do something. And the way that he disrupts these quarterbacks, even whenever he's not recording a stat, it's just unbelievable. So I, I'm 
psyched for this game. Cowboys will probably lose because it's the 49ers and that's what they do. So they'll find some heartbreaking way to lose. But I just want I want it to be competitive. And I want I honestly I want to walk away feeling good about both teams because I do think both teams are really good. Yeah. And you might see uh Ayuk destroy the secondary like he has been the last few weeks he's been healthy because he he's this is so happy for me to say he has looked (laughs) like one of the best wide receivers in the league like watching him play against the cardinals brock pretty threw up to him in double coverage and he caught it with his fingertips like he catches everything that is thrown to him and does something with it and it's just been awesome to see and i think this could turn into a shootout i I think we haven't really seen enough from the cowboys offense yet i think any any day now they can they can have a great offensive game they just haven't had it yet um Mm -hmm. and brock purdy's willing to sling it too so i yeah that's it's gonna be a great game i i think so too um so is it is it technically back to me since your pick was the uh chiefs Vikings game? I mean, I can go again if you want. Well, I was going to mention the the Eagles at the Rams. That's in the 3 o'clock slot on Sunday. I'm like, the Rams are fun to watch. Like Puka. Puka Nakua, first of his name. Greatest receiver of all time. <laughs> he broke a record on Sunday. Did you yep. see that? Yeah, uh... First 39 rookie. receptions. Yeah. In his first four games. Beat out Anquan Bolden for the most receptions in a receiver's first four games. Yeah. I, Which, he could be great. <laughs> like, he could be extremely great. Yeah. And they're, they might be getting Cooper Cup back this week. Oh, this he, week? Really? Well, I don't know. Uh, they haven't said, but he's, uh, he's, I mean, this is week four or after week four, so he's can come off the IR. Um, and yeah, I just, this, uh, the, the Rams are fun. And I, I, I'm really, the reason I'm excited to watch this game is because I'm hoping that they can give the Eagles their first loss. <laughs> Not sure if it's going to happen, but I think it will be a good game. Stafford's been on a heater so far with guys you've never heard of before the start of the season. So that's fun. I Stafford has been unbelievable. He's been great. Like some of these plays that he's made, some of these throws that he's made, I'm just like, oh, oh, okay. So that's the that's Stafford. That's Matthew Stafford. That's the guy who won a Super Bowl. Like this, this guy's really good. <laughs> if I, I was talking about this with some friends, but if he takes the Rams to a Super Bowl with this team, he has to be in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's not working with a whole lot. <laughs> and he's making stars out of Puka and Tutu. <laughs> probably the silliest names in all of NFL. Puka and Tutu. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, if he even if he wins a playoff game, I think, with this group, that's a huge notch in his resume. Because it's basically him, Aaron Donald, and a bunch of rookies. And yeah, they'll be getting Cooper Cup back, but like, hopefully, yeah, yeah hopefully. Uh, do you have any other games you're excited for in Week Five? Um, 
not a really great slate. Like, I think there's some clear favorites. Uh, a game that I think can be uh, pretty competitive, though, is Saints-Patriots. Talk about Battle of Midway. <laughs> kings of Mid. Yeah, the Kings of Mid. Derek Carr hobbled and Patriots bad. I'm, I'm kind of excited to watch that just because they seem like very evenly matched teams. They do. I I got to be honest. I'm not looking forward to that game because I just don't <laughs> think it's going to be high quality football. <laughs> you could be right. <laughs> but I like it. I like it. Okay. Um, I don't think I have any more for this week either. I mean, yeah, there's there's some pretty lopsided matchups. Um, the fact that Cincinnati is only favored by three against the Cardinals, I think says more about Cincinnati than it does the Cardinals. <laughs> and the Cardinals have been really good. <laughs> They're scrappy, but uh, that's that's ridiculous. Um, now we'll see if the you know we'll see if. Zach Wilson can light it up against the elite defense of the Denver Broncos. <laughs> oh, that's the Hackett Bowl right there. That's the Hackett Bowl. It sure is. Let's see yeah. uh, who coaches the Broncos worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> can we talk about that for a second, though? Because I, Sean Payton had a lot of hype coming into this season. Thought that he was going to fix everything, and it might be worse despite Russell Wilson playing better than he did last year. It's been really bad. And I wish Trent was on this podcast because he's not the only one who's guilty of this. Some of the defamatory things that have been said about one Mike McCarthy by some hosts on this podcast, I think need to be taken back because when I look at some of the coaching jobs around the NFL, and then I look at what Mike McCarthy does. You can't tell me that he's not a better coach than some of these other guys. Like you can't tell me that Sean Payton has proven that he is currently a better coach than Mike McCarthy. Yeah, and I think this tarnishes his legacy too. Like I, I'm before the season, I wasn't thinking that Sean Payton was all that great. I thought he was a good coach that had Drew Brees, uh, and that. That seems to be the case. Yeah, it, it, it does. I mean, let's say for the next two years, who would you rather have as your head coach, Mike McCarthy or Bill Belichick? Probably Bill Belichick, just because like... But the fact that you had to think about it. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. So I think he deserves more credit. And I'll, I'll stay on that hill. Um, all right, Rosie, anything else before we wrap this podcast up? Go loins, go loins. Indeed. Go loins. All right. Dad joke this week. Let me pull it up here. Um, oh, here we go. Rosie, what is a guitar player's favorite Italian food? Does it have to do a string? Stromboli. Oh, I was kind of <laughs> You were kind of close. Stromboli. So that is going to do it. 
for this week's episode of Making the Call. Thank you, of course, to Rosie for hopping on this week, breaking down all the uh, all the fun football action. Um, also, thank you to the listeners who are listening to us in podcast form. Tune in live to the YouTube. Um, anyone who subscribed to the Substack, make sure you do subscribe to the Substack because we've got those football newsletters coming out. Uh, we've got Rosie's. He's been doing some some sneaky starts each week. He's been doing some fantasy buys and sells and uh, just really putting out some elite fantasy content. So we've got that. We've got parlays, player props, college football, NFL storylines, and more uh, coming to your inbox every Friday. And it is free to subscribe. So we'll have a link to that in the notes for this episode. Go subscribe to the Making the Call Substack so you can get that uh, when it comes out this next Friday. Uh, we will be back on this feed Next Monday night on the YouTube, Tuesday morning, if you're listening to us in podcast form, breaking down all the action from week five, hopefully talking about the fact that the Rangers are in a uh, tight divisional series against the Orioles because they have made it past the Tampa Bay Rays in the wildcard round. I hope everyone has a fantastic rest of the week. We'll see you next time.